Welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, we'll be finishing up our series called We Are Family, and we pray that today's message is a blessing to you. All right, so we're going to start with Galatians. Remember, we're continuing We Are Family, so I'm just going to do a brief review um, I probably won't be able to do it justice but like my husband did, but if you haven't heard it, then definitely go back and listen to those. But I'm going to start with Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, and I'm going to be reading it in the, the Passion trans- Translation. And it says, but when that era came to an end of the time of fulfillment had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the written law. Yet all of this was so that the world, so that he would redeem and set free all of linked up church to the written law. I mean, it doesn't say that, but right, it says, so that he would set free all those held hostage to the written law. That's us, so that we would receive our freedom and a full legal adoption as his children. Now, I've, I don't know a whole lot about the adoption process, but I do know it is a big deal when you have that legal adoption that's completed and it's a full legal adoption, those children receive all the benefits of being a part of that family. Maybe they were foster kids before or maybe they didn't even know them, but once they are fully adopted, they receive all the benefits of being in that family. And that's what we have, all the benefits of being in God's family. And so that we would know for sure that we are his true children God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts. He released the spirit of sonship into our hearts, moving us to cry out intimately, my father, you're our true father. Now we're no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy God's very own sons and we we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. Look at your name and say, hey, son and daughter. And because we're this, because we're this, we can access everything our Father has, for we are heirs of God. Um, We talked about the the word slave because it says we went from, we're we're not a slave, we're heirs of God. Um, The definition of slave is a person who is the legal property of another and is forced to obey them. Now, we don't, you know, most of us are, are far removed from that at this point, but we, know, but we know the history, right? We even know some of the things that are going on in our world right now about being slaves and, and, and having to do everything somebody tells you to do when you don't get to do what you want to do when you want to. You are obeying that person. But we're not in that state of mind. We're not in that state, praise God. We are heirs. And so the definition of heir, the literal meaning of heir is someone who has been appointed to receive an inheritance. If you're going to receive an inheritance, I want you to raise your hand because I want you to think about yourself as being an heir, okay? You have a rich inheritance, more than you could even imagine. So Pastor George talked about it's time for, two weeks ago, it's time for a status, status change. You're an heir of the promise. So we have these boxes here. We talk about the promise, and he took out the box being about the blessing. And inside this box, that's the blessing. It looks, it looks like it's kind of small, but it's like infinitely 
a number of things inside the blessings. Whatever it is you need, you can open the box and you can get whatever it need, you need because God has already provided it for you. It's already there. Just open the box, look inside, and take out what you need. Put the devil under your feet. Say, hey, that's mine. Get your hands off of it because I am an heir of God. How dare you try to come between me and my father. Take what my father left for me that's rightly mine. How dare you? Tell the devil who he is. He's under your feet. He has no authority. You will walk in the blessing. You will walk in the blessing. You will walk in the blessing. Look at your neighbor. Say, I will walk in the blessing. What is it that you feel like you're not walking in right now? It is yours. It's yours. Your healing, it's yours. You have a relationship with God via Jesus, right? Walking in relationship with our family and our, our friends and people that we come in close contact with, that's part of having a good relationship with those people. That is part of being in the blessing. Eternal life, praise God, is part of the blessing. You'll see your loved one again. You'll see them again if they were walking in the blessing. If you continue to do so, you'll see them again. We have, a, we have health in the blessing. We have favor. We have wisdom. It's in there, whatever it is you need, all right? So we're going to move on with some new information because we already talked about how we are already heirs. So we have, you know, if you're an heir, I mean, if you think about people who are very affluent, they have a certain air about them, right? Because they already know almost anything that happens, I'm going to get out of it. It's unfortunate sometimes, but they know that because they've lived their whole life with that, right? And so sometimes when we haven't lived our whole lives with that, it takes us a minute to really truly understand what it is to walk in that, okay? And ours is a much higher level than someone who's, you know, maybe, you know, affluent and can, you know, pay their way out of a situation. Ours is much higher than that. And so we have to, you know, not that we're cocky, but we have to just kind of know who we are. And we have to just walk in that. Even when you go to the doctor and you get a report that you didn't like, you have to come in there like, yeah, I, I heard you and, you know, I'm going to be obedient and do what you say unless God leads me to do otherwise. But I know in the end, I know I have help. I know I have healing. It's part of my blessing. And so we're going to continue to, like, keep our mind and our focus on that. But we talked about we are family, and that is true. We are family. What happens in a family? I was looking, I was looking at that, those clips, and I started to change them because a lot of families don't look like that. Like, I started to, like, put, yeah, I know they had family matters in there, and, I, and, you know, everybody's hugging, and, oh, so great, and Archie Bunker, was Archie Bunker in there? And so <laughs> I started thinking about the episodes that I saw that it wasn't so great, right? Um, because to actually operate in a family like you want to and have the peace that you need in a family, there are things that we do really actually have to do. Right? Now, this does not mean we're not heirs, but as heirs and as a part of the family, there are things that we have to do in the family. Okay, so now how many of you are parents? Okay, that's a, that's a lot of people. All right, so what, what we all know is that parents, they do not like it when you mess with their children. Can I get an amen? Like even I said, my mother-in-law is over there, and she and I are actually very close. You know, we talk on the phone probably, I'm sure, more than her and my, my husband do. 
Um, we go shopping. We do Black Friday shopping. We, I mean, we go, has gone on some vacations. She'll text me in the morning, say good morning. I tell my students, oh, yeah, that's my mother-in-law. She's just saying good morning. I mean, we're close, right? But if I mess with her son, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm going to see the wrath of her. I haven't seen it before. But because I keep, you know, if I do, I keep it on download so she don't know about that. But if she knew, no, if she knows of me messing with her son, we're going to see a different side of her, I'm sure, right? So nobody wants you messing with their babies. So my daughter, um, I have, we have three daughters. Um, and one of them, well, all, all of them have played soccer at some point. Two of them are still playing. And uh, one of them, you know, she's, she is, she excels in mostly everything that she does, right? And so the coaches have a higher expectation from her than maybe some teammates, right? And so I remember she was, she was younger and I was picking her up from practice and we were actually both there because one of us was dropping off a kid, one of us was picking up a kid, so George and I were there. And she came off the field and she walked up to us and we were like, hey, how was practice? She said, I had one bad touch and Ted moved me to the Navy team and she just started crying. Okay, one bad touch, that means she hit the ball, she kicked the ball and it went the wrong way, I guess. She was little now and he was like, go to the second team, just go to the second team. <laughs> so she went to practice with the second team and that was a big deal because she's like, I'm the first team you put me in the second team so she was very upset about it she just burst out crying and I'm telling you I was really I really just wanted to be at his car when he got there <laughs> I was so mad I'm like why did he just he's always doing something <laughs> you know I was so upset I was so upset that was years ago but I mean honestly recently she was getting yelled at by somebody else and I was wanting to meet him too so right we don't like we don't like when people mess with our kids right like, you didn't tell, you wouldn't do that. Anybody else, you just picking on her, da, 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 da. You know, of course, we see things through different glasses anyway. They may not see it that way, but we do, right? But on the other hand, you know, that same daughter, she's had teachers in her past that I know those teachers have shown her favor, right? They're like, she's, you know, I know she's going to, if I give her this thing to do, if I put her in the play and give her that role or that speaking part, I know she's going to kill it. And, you know, I know that she's had some favor where they're just like, you know what, let's just give it to her. Let her do it. And so those teachers, I'm like, oh, I just love her. She's so great. She's the best teacher ever. Oh, my gosh, I wish you could have her. She is the best ever. And other people are like, she is not that great. But she was great to my kids. So in my book, she was like way up here, just under God, right? And so that's how parents feel about their children for the most part. And I believe that God has a similar view about his children. He doesn't want people messing with his children, right? I have two kids still at home. They have very different personalities, different strengths, different weaknesses, right? So some, one might be strong in this area, one might be weak in this area. And so what happens is that, you know, when one person's strong, this happens in a marriage, when one person's strong in an area and the other one's weak in that area, that person's like, I just can't believe you. You always, da, 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 da. they don't think about all the stuff that they did wrong or their weaknesses. But so you, we get some of that at home, right? And so one might, you know, I've seen one that might, you know, give, give the other heart a hard time as fussing and talking down to the other one about whatever their weakness is. And even though they're both my children, I still feel some kind of way about one of my children disrespecting my other child. And I think God might feel that way too, right? We are family. We're heirs. So my kids, just because one does something I don't like, it's not like I'm going to kick them out the family, 
right? That's not the issue. The issue is not with God. It's not your status, right? But how are you treating your family? And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Let's read Mark chapter 12, 28 through 34. I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation. It says, Now a certain religious scholar overheard them debating. When he saw how beautifully Jesus answered all their questions, <laughs> Jesus is probably the perfect student. I would love to have him in class. Um, when he saw how, how beautifully Jesus answered all their questions, he posed one of his own. So he's listening to him. He's like, well, let me see what he's going to say to this. Which, you know, I mean, he's testing him, but in a way he could just really want to know the answer. I don't know. I don't know his heart. Teacher, which commandment is the greatest of all? And most of us are familiar with this. Jesus answered him, the most important of all the commandments is this. The Lord, Yahweh, our God, is one. You are to love the Lord, Yahweh, your God, with every passion of your heart, with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, with every thought that is within you, and with all your strength. This is the great and supreme commandment. And it's interesting that usually that is not the one we have the problem with. I mean, how can you not love God, right? He's God. He is like the best ever, right? So all of us don't, we don't really have a problem loving God and, you know, worshiping him for the most part. Um, it's this second one. And the second is this. You must love your neighbor in the same way. It didn't say just love him. It said, in the same way that you love yourself, you will never find a greater commandment than these. The religious scholar replied, yes, that's true, teacher. You spoke beautifully, because he's a great student. You spoke, well, he's a teacher, but you spoke beautifully when you said that God is one and there is none beside him. And so when we're looking at these scriptures, God told us, love, love God. I mean, Jesus said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And so, really, I want you to take about 20 seconds to just look around at everybody. Look around, look at the people in front of you, behind you, on the, on the left, on the right. Think about people at home. Think about people on your job. These are real people right? These are not like, it's not an image. It's not Facebook. It's not Instagram. It's not, you know, what you see is all great. It, these are real people, right? And with real people, you're going to get some imperfections. You ever seen some imperfections out of other folks? Not yourself, but you ever seen some imperfections out of other folks, right? So we, we have, God is asking us to love real people, knowing that these real people have imperfections. They're not perfect. They might do something to say, they may say something wrong. They may do something wrong. They're going to miss it, right? And we are too. And when we miss it, we want people to give us grace and show us love. But when they do it to us, we have no love for them. We're like, you know what? It's over. I don't have time to deal with this. It's, um, you know, I don't need this. I don't need this in my life, right? And we will, some people are quick to cut people off. And I'm, I used to be one of those people. I think I've been doing bit better in my older age. But I would, I mean, really, like, my sister is, like, the person who always had, like, a million friends around her. And 
I mean, they're, and they, they're still, like, still with her from elementary, middle school, like, all her college, all her walks of life. She still has parties. They all come. I was the one that had, like, two friends. <laughs> and they better not make me mad. I'll have one friend. I'll take some applications. And that was pretty much how I rolled and kind of still roll. I'm trying to do better. Um, but, yeah, so these people that God is asking us to love, they're not perfect, and he knows that. That is not part of the equation. Like, it's not if they do this, you love them. He says, there's scripture where he says, love your brother. That's all of us, or even your real brother. There's scripture that says, love your neighbor, the one we just read. And when we hear a story, the parable, when they're talking about the good Samaritan, they said, which one is the neighbor? It wasn't necessarily a physical neighbor. It's the one that, you know, you know, reached out and helped him and, you know, didn't leave him there. But, you know, it was a stranger to him. He didn't know this person. That was still his neighbor. So God is telling us to love the stranger. Sometimes it's not so hard to love strangers because you don't really, you're not around, maybe not around them that much. You're just like, hey, strange person, how are you? But then he says, love your enemies. There's no one that we're exempt from loving. So it's important that we know that. It doesn't matter what they did. It doesn't matter that your boss passed you on the promotion two, three times. You got to love your neighbor. You got to love your boss. You got to love your coworkers. You got to love, I mean, obviously you got to love your spouse, but because that's the one you're around, you butthead so much, sometimes we don't show love to our spouse and our children. But we got, God is calling us as a family heirs together, joint, we are joint heirs. God is calling us to love. Um, let's go ahead and read 1 John 3.16. And it says, Jesus, no, I'm sorry, it's, it's, it says, this is how we know what love is. This is how we know what love is, okay? So we talked about in the first point, I didn't say it but Jesus commands us to love one another. That was point number one. Point number two, we're going to read the scripture. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our, for our family, right? This is part of being in the family. Um, my middle daughter, she's 17. She's had her car and her license for about a year, and Sometimes she may not want to take her sister somewhere. And I have to explain to her, we, this is part of being in the family. We help each other. Even when it's inconvenient, even when I, you might have just got out of practice and have, or even when you just got out of school, even though you just woke up, even though you have, might have to wake up early, even though it's inconvenient to you at the time, we're family, and we have, we're called to lay down our lives for each other. And so that's true for a 17-year-old. How much more us, right? God is calling us to lay down our lives for each other. Most of us will not have to physically lay down our lives. There are people that have for God. But we have to lay down our lives. We have to put our feelings aside sometimes. We have to put getting our own way out of uh, our side sometimes for the good of the other person. And it may not benefit us at all. We may not get paid back for it. When I do it, I may not be able to, I, may, I, know, I already know when I do it, 
I'm not going to get anything in return from this person. But I'm doing it because we're family. And that's what family does. They take care of each other. They take care of each other. Um, so let's go ahead. We're going to go down to point three. Matthew 5, 20 through 25. I'm going to read it in the NIV. But Jesus showed us how to love each other by laying down his life for us. That was point two. Point three. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. Ouch, that was maybe me. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gifts at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift right there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, and then come and offer your gifts. Settle, settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer. You may be thrown into prison. So this one is talking about the fact that our relationship is an urgent matter. It says do it quickly. It says if, you, if you're there, like if you come to church and you're worshiping God and praising God and you think about the fact that you did something wrong, God really wants you to get that right. He really wants you to get to right, you get that right. You know, we often think about doing all the right things to please God, and that's not a bad thing. But really, we are already heirs with God. We're good with him. He loves us. There's nothing that we can do to make him love us more. He, we're already in right standing with him if we see Jesus so God is saying, listen, go and get it right with your neighbor. That's very important to him that we do that with each other. And so I'm going to read 1 John 4. It's not, it's not on the slides. 1 John 4, 20 through 21 says, Anyone can say, I love God, yet have hatred toward another believer. This makes him a phony. I'm going to say that again. Anyone can say, I love God. Anyone can say, I love God. Anyone can say, I love God. It's easy to love God. Yet have hatred toward another believer. This makes him a phony. Because if you don't love a brother or sister whom you can see, how can you truly love God whom you can't see? For he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also demonstrate love to others. That is part of being in the family God does not want you mistreating your sisters and brothers he doesn't we're going to read um, uh, the next point point number four love is not about religion it's about Jesus love is not about religion it's about Jesus love is not about religion it's about Jesus so um, I have 
I have, I grew up in a family, my mother and my father, and I had two siblings. I was the middle child. I had, I have an older sister. She's four years older than me. She, she, I'm from Texas. She lives, still lives in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And then I have, I had a little brother um, who was two years younger than me. And so, um, as a, as a teen, as a, right before I went to high school, that summer before my high school year, my, my mother and my little brother were in a car accident and both died in the car accident. So then that left, I'm sorry, I go. Um, but that left, you know, me, my mom, my dad, and my sister. And so, like I said, this was right before I was going into my freshman year in high school, also right before she was going into her freshman year of college. Okay, so it was me, my sister, my dad in the house. My dad was disabled, um, but he was present, um, but he couldn't get around very well. And so my sister, once my mom passed, had to take on a lot more responsibility as a young person. She was 18, and everybody always said I acted older than her. Uh, they said I was always old. I don't know what that means. But um, so she was 17. You know, she was not. She was. She never had to parent me, right? She never had to tell me what to do. She was a great big sister. Like I don't remember any times like growing up where she, you know, mistreated me. Anything like I hear stories about people mistreating their siblings. I'm like, who does that? I never had that. Okay, she, I mean, she might not want me to go hang out with her and her friends, but that's, you know, four years difference. I can understand that, right? So my sister at that point kind of sort of became a caregiver. Not really, but kind of. She tried. I wasn't listening to her. But, uh, <laughs> but she tried. She tried. Like, there are things that she just had to step up and start doing, right? Because my dad was disabled. Um, so she had to help, you know, take care of me, make sure I had everything I need. And, you know, I, was, I mean, I was kind of responsible in a lot of things, but not everything. She had to watch over me. My dad may not know what I was doing. So she was like investigating who you're with, where you go home, you know, that kind of thing. She had to start doing a lot of that stuff. And so she was a really good big sister, right? I love her, right? She loves me. Oh, so great. Okay. So think about my sister. I'm, I'm using her as an example of a sister, and I'm trying to let you know she's always been there for me, right? Um, so if I, you know, this is my sister. If I came to you and I started talking to you bad about my sister, what would you think of me? This is my sister. I don't have one sister. It's just the two of us. My dad has since passed. It's just the two of us left in, in that family, right? And I come to you, and I'm talking about her. I'm gossiping about my own sister. What, what, who does that? Sometimes we do, right? If I, my sister's married, if I were to commit fornication or adultery, I'm sorry, and sleep with my sister's husband, what does that say about me? Am I showing my sister love? Like, if you just, like, if you knew me and my sister and you saw one of us do that to the other one, you would think that there is something really wrong with us, and there would be, right? But yet, we do it to pe do things to people all the time, and we don't really think about it. But this is your sister, your brother. You are part of the same family. You're heirs of God and we're talking about each other. We are, you know, being mean to each other, disrespecting each other. The list can go on and on and on, right? I'm gonna read, um, um, I'm gonna
I'm going to read Romans 13, 8 through 9. So this point is talking about the fact that love is not about religion. It's about Jesus. Sometimes we are so busy, and I grew up in the Church of God in Christ Church. We had a lot of rules, okay, a lot of rules. So I grew up trying to follow all the rules, right? And, of course, we could never follow all the rules. But it's ingrained in me to follow the rules. Like, that's who I am because that's how I was raised, right? And so for me, it's hard for me sometimes to think about the grace side of it because I'm so busy trying to make sure that I follow the rules because that's how I was raised. I was raised to follow rules. It's not a bad thing. But sometimes it's not a good thing if you are relying on that when we have to rely on God's grace. And so sometimes when we're busy checking off the boxes, we're so, we're so, we're thinking about, we're thinking more about the, the religious part of it. Like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hurt her. I mean, I didn't do anything. And we're not thinking about the love side of it. Like, we're not thinking about, we're thinking more about checking off the boxes. How close can we get to sin and not sin? Like, how close, like, I mean, I didn't really do anything to her. I didn't really do anything to him. I mean, I just told him, man, I'm just, I'm just straight up. I mean, I'm just that kind of person where I'm just going to tell you how I feel. It doesn't matter how you made them feel, right? Somebody told me, I mean, I was in, just this week I was in pre-planning, and a lady said, well, I'm just blunt. She's like, I'm just, I'm straightforward, is what she said. I mean, you're straightforward, but what you said to her was disrespectful. That's not the same as being straightforward to me. If you're being disrespectful and not showing love to that person and thinking about what you say and what you do and how it's going to affect them, well, I didn't curse her out. I didn't say anything. I mean, it's not like I said, yeah, but are you thinking about the other person? I mean, we, we really got to get to the point where we're thinking about the other person. That is what God is asking us to do. When we're communicating with our spouse, with our children, before my, my daughter, they, they don't like it when we tell all their business. <laughs> so there was something we had to talk to her about yesterday. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. There was something we had to talk to her about yesterday. And I was at the, the back-to-school thing. On the way home, I, on purpose, put in a series that I'd heard about parenting because before I talked to her, I wanted to have that in me because I wanted to, when I talk to her, I want to speak to her out of love. Yes, I have to correct, but I, I, it's a certain way I got to do it for her really to receive it, right? She, she has one more year in the house before she goes off to college, okay? So, you know, she's older. She's starting, you know, once they go out, they have to figure out who they are, right? Who am I outside my parents' house? So all these things I have to I'm keep in mind, and I wanted to make sure that I was ready for this conversation because my natural instinct is, why did you, and I told you, and if you had just, right? That's my natural instinct. So if I want to walk in love with her and make it where I'm ministering to her throughout this process, I have to handle it a certain way or else, yes, she's going to do what I say because she has to, but what, what's going to be the result of that? I can't wait till I get out of this house. Right? So, I mean, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm okay with her getting out of the house, but I'm just saying. 
<laughs> but at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm a representative of God for, for them, right? They know that we're preachers. Um, I can't be a hypocrite. Like, they can't, I don't want them to ever say, well, yeah, you did that at church, but at home you did X, Y, Z. I heard you say in your message that such and such and such, but you don't do that with us. Like, I don't want that to happen, and I'm not doing it just to check boxes. I really do want to show love to my child, right? And so when I talk to her and correct her, I have to make sure that I'm doing it out of place of love. And sometimes if you're not ready to do that, like I had on the way home, like my mother-in-law was in the car with me, so I actually, I had the music playing for her, and I had an earpiece in this ear, and then I could hear her over here as I'm listening to that, to that minister talk about how to walk in love with your teenagers or whatever it was, because I want to not just check a box, but I want to love my neighbor, and that includes my family. And so what we have to remember, there's so many, I have, there's, there's a lot, of, lot more scripture you know, the Bible tells us we have, there's so many rules, right? If you go back to the Old Testament, you know, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet. All of those things can be summed up, and they were summed up in love your neighbor. Because if I truly love my neighbor, why would I lie on them when I know it's going to affect them and hurt them? Like, we don't really need a hundred scriptures to tell us specifically what we need to do. We just need the one scripture and we operate through that one scripture, which is to love our neighbors. Before I say this, before I do this, I'm going to run it through the love chain, right? Is this going to be in love or is this more so about me and getting what I want and what I get my way in this situation? Or is it really about me showing them love and us coming to a good solution like, we have to make sure that we're remembering that. It's not so much all the rules. It's the one. And if we can operate through that one and master that, it's great. Now, it sounds simple. All of us know it's not simple. I mean, it sounds simple. It's just one rule that we have to follow, but it's a, it's a tough one. And life presents situations that make it hard sometimes. But we're heirs. And when we're walking with that air about us, it's like, you know, I know this is tough, but God has got me, right? And I'm going to walk this out for him. Our worship team is getting ready to come, I believe. As they come, I just want us to remember, I'm just going to leave it like this. It's not about getting as close to the sin as we can, or it's not about checking the boxes and trying to fo follow the letter of the law it's really about how can I go through love I'll go through this situation and walk in love with my neighbor come on somebody right where you are just meditate on what it means to operate in love, how sometimes you have to lay down yourself and pick up that perspective of Jesus. Yeah.
Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. 
So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we want to invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He died, rose from the grave, and He is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name. Praise God, we are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations, we are so excited that you made the decision to get connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit linkeduppchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, watch past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkeduppchurch.com or text Get Connected to 833 833- 988-2009. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing week and we look forward to connecting with you.